Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to another episode of the Small Business Surgeon. It's Friday. That means it's time for Friday Fire. Friday Fire number 14. We're getting through these. So uh, it's uh, Friday, May 7th. And uh, as I like to say around here, TFI Friday, which means, thank goodness, it is Friday. I'm so glad that you all are here. And uh, no housekeeping today. We are just going to jump straight into the show because uh, this one this one hit home for me. This, uh, this one touched uh, a little bit. And uh, I really want to dig in to alcohol and addiction for the next few minutes. So, um, like for those of you just now finding the show, we have interviews once a week, and then once a week I do a Friday fire, which is me just talking about what I feel like. And I was at the Break Free Academy Ryan Stuman uh, Million Dollar Mastermind event in Dallas uh, this last week. It was last Thursday and last Friday. And, um, you know, I saw up there, there were three different types of entrepreneur, which was really interesting to me. They, you know, alcohol and addiction kind of runs hand in hand through the business community. Um, I don't know how many sales guys I've known that have had Coke problems. Um, yeah, how many uh, executives smoke weed at night to wind down. And the biggest one um, that a lot of these guys fall into is alcohol because when you go to these conferences and when you go to conventions and when you're like off the leash and you're out of the uh, you're out of the office, you're out of the house, um, when you go to these kind of things, it's a lot easier to drink. Plus, most entrepreneurs and most folks at these events are somewhat uncomfortable. They feel like uh, imposters, like they don't belong in the room. So a lot of times they want to drink to just use that little social lubricant and slide in a little bit easier um, into groups and into uh, into conversations. And, yeah, I get it. I understand why. Because um, I, I went on the conference circuit. I did it for uh, almost five years in the internet marketing business, like two, three, four conferences a year, big conferences. We'd stay, we'd drink thousands of dollars in uh, in tabs and there's three types of entrepreneur now that i see at the meetings that i go to and the conferences i attend uh the first type is straight up sober they've run the gamut they've decided that their health is more important than anything and they stay straight up sober and you can normally recognize these guys because they'll be running around uh, in tight t-shirts and they will have like a gallon of water with them and everything else and and fair play to them um, so you've got your sober entrepreneurs uh, generally guys that have you know learned from their mistakes then you've got your, your your social drinkers which again if you go to an event and have one or two drinks that's not a that's nothing bad at all that's it's it's normal right that's what everybody does but then then in that event you've also got your uh, got your fuck ups and uh, boy i identified with the fuck ups i was one of them i, I built two seven figure companies as a fuck up and uh, they didn't work very well at all because the root cause was you know the, the alcohol that, that took the companies down so um went up to mdm got to hang out got to meet a bunch of people and um, a lot of people started picking up and following the show and hit me up on Facebook asking me stuff. And one person in particular sent me a, a message that was, was this long. I mean, it 
scroll, scroll, scroll. And it was about how she had been at MDM and how she, her and her husband had drunk a whole bunch of whiskey over the three days, like an, a lot of whiskey, and that she was, um, she was ashamed and she wasn't making the most of it. And she spent most of the time in the bar and not listening to the speakers or anything. And she, you know, she just asked me, how did I quit? And um, my job now is nothing to do with anything but helping as many people as possible uh, learn from my mistakes. And so I share a bit of my journey with alcohol. Obviously, from my accent, you can tell I'm, uh, I'm European. I just passed 21 years in Texas, by the way, anybody uh, listening. So 21 years out here on, the, on what was supposed to be about a six or a nine-month trip. So uh, they definitely got their money's worth out of me, these, uh, these Americans. Anyway, my journey in alcohol started you know, when I was a kid. Um, I think the first time I ever got drunk was, was stealing, uh, stealing my dad's homebrew out of a keg in the garage with some of my friends and um, they got drunker than I did, way drunker, so I didn't get in any trouble at all because I just hit at the back while they were doing silly drunk things. And you know, you start drinking over there culturally, you'll have a glass of wine um, with dinner with your parents. I think I, I bought my first round in a bar when I was 14, but I was with my dad and two or three of his friends and they were doing that whole, come on boy, you know, buy your own beer kind of thing. And it, it turned into, it wasn't like they were trying to indoctrinate me and turn me into an alcoholic. Everybody drank. It was just normal. So you know, you'd go to the pub on a on a Sunday afternoon, and the adults would have a couple of drinks, and the kids would would shoot pool maybe or or whatever. But um, we would just always be around alcohol. It was perfectly normal. And some people deal with that well. I dealt with it in the way of, oh, I like this. Let me drink some more. And there was such a culture growing up of <clears throat> the measure of your masculinity was how much alcohol you could imbibe and like not fall down. So as teenage boys, we we're all trying to drink each other under the table to impress the teenage girls. And some of us outgrew it, and some of us didn't, and some of us still haven't. You know, um, and. I see it in entrepreneurs now. I see it through these, these these guys that they still want to go out there and drink and prove they're the man by taking on as many drinks and becoming the alpha. And really, when you get around the high-level guys, none of them do it. And then you got to kind of think why. So my journey in alcohol started super young, and I was a uh, I was a musician. Actually, I was a drummer, so I hung around with musicians. But constantly working in bars I did some bartending as well um, touring around and it was so easy to to just drink and it is really a physical and a mental disease and you just don't realize how affected you are by it until you come out of it um, I didn't realize what waking up hungover was like every day just because it was normal um, I didn't realize how foggy my brain was and how fucked up my thoughts were um, disorganized I think is uh, is more true than that that's just disorganized just just like scrambled eggs for brains every morning and oh god I need some coffee let me get an Advil oh shit I need a drink and it's a fucking physical and mental disease and the only way you can beat a physical disease like alcoholism is if you win the mind game first right and we'll, we'll get to that in a minute so my lowest point with alcohol, and surely there's been there's been a, a lot of them. Um, to win the mental game here, you've got to train your mind right and see around it. And what I the, how I quit alcohol was through shame and honesty, um, brutal shame, brutal honesty, 
Um, but there's always a low point. Now, my low point, and I've, I've talked about this before, and I've got many, many low points and shit, but my lowest low point was when my, at the time, 63-year-old mother gave me a hug goodbye to send me off to the airport, and she stood on her tiptoes, and this was, this was right after my second company, second seven-figure company had gone under, and she said to me in a whispered tone, 5.15 in the morning, she says, sort your fucking life out. And I don't know if any of you's ever had your mum swear at you or what, but it's it's really quite a polarizing moment. So what I want you to do, if you're having trouble with drinking, right? If you're not, keep listening anyway. But if you're having trouble with drinking and you're listening in the car and you're just quietly driving along, thinking to yourself, I want you to find that low point in your mind real quick. Trigger, the trigger that you're gonna find is the shame of the lowest low point. Right, so my mum saying to me, sort your fucking life out as a 37-year-old guy that was uh, retired at 36 and financially stable and all this other shit. My mum saying that was about the lowest point I could ever imagine because the one, the two people I want validation from the most in my entire life is my mum and my dad. Those are the two people I want to impress. I love all of you guys, but I don't care about validation from you guys. I really only care about validation from mum and dad and thinking Sam has done a good job. So for mum to call me a fuck up was the lowest of the low points. But imagine all the bad stuff you've done while you've been drunk. Right? And for some of you watching, I can see some names scrolling through this feed. For some of you watching, it's going to take a minute or two to imagine the depths of the bad stuff that you've done. But who have you yelled at that you didn't mean to yell at when you were drunk? Who have you fought with that you didn't mean to fight with when you were drunk? How many friends have you uh, engaged in fisticuffs and yelled at after you've had all had too many drinks? Who have you fucked while you've been drunk? Uh-huh. Don't look at me like that. You can't get away with this. I know some of you. Um, how many times have you driven drunk? You have no clue, right? One of the things that was really hammering into me was no drunk driving. So even when I was drinking, I'd always make sure I had a safe ride home. And then I'd get to the bar the next day and there's no cars in the parking lot. It's like, I know, I know I wasn't the only drunk guy in here. So how many times have you driven drunk? You ashamed of that? So what I'm trying to do here is give you an anchor in this kind of shame that, that gives you something to lean on and say, you know what? That's not who I am. That's not who I aspire to be. That's not what the best version of me looks like. The best version of Sam doesn't drink six shots of whiskey and get in a bar fight. You know, the best version of Sam doesn't do like Chris Codlin does and hit his mate in the nose with a bar stool and break it. Good shout, Chris. Yeah. You know, the best version of Sam doesn't look around the bar at 1.30 in the morning and think, well, shit, I don't want to go home alone. You know? And if you can give yourself an anchor and go back to that shame, because the best version of Sam never wants his mother to whisper in his ear, sort your fucking life out ever again. So that is my shame. And that is how I managed to make a change in my mindset that says, you know what? I got on the airplane, I sat down, I was ordering a, a double Jack and Coke. And I thought, you know what? I'll just have, I'll just have the Coke. And, uh, then she switched it to a Diet Coke. And then that, that was that. So I'm sitting on an airplane, Diet Coke. I get back to America. I get in the house. I'm like, you know what? I haven't had a drink today. Let me see if I can not have one again tomorrow. Um, you know, there's three things that it took me to quit. Um, shame, honesty, and um, I was scared. I was scared of what it would look like. So another massive factor, if you have never lost somebody to alcoholism, um, I do not recommend it. It was not a fun experience. Um, but one of my friends lost his uh, 
lost his girl, his, uh, his life partner, uh, to alcoholism. And she was, I think, about 46 years old. Uh, she was the absolute life of the party. She was beautiful. She was a wonderful woman. And I got to watch the last few years of her life as she was physically and mentally hooked on a bottle. And I got to go over to the apartment uh, and help Turner in uh, her last days as she was dying. And it was the scariest thing I've ever fucking seen. Because at the time, you know, she was just a few years older than me. And I am watching somebody that I've drank with for the last several years um, just inflate, uh, bloat, turn yellow, and, uh, and fucking die, like right in front of my eyes. And it was that fear of what Melody went through. And it was the shame of my mom, the one person I want validation from more than anybody, telling me to sort my fucking life out. And it was me being able to look at this honestly and say, what's the fucking problem? So if you want to quit drinking, here is my advice. You know, I often say, why do you drink? And people say, oh, well, you know, just to take the edge off. Well, I assure you, life is better with the fucking edge on. It's better. Um, I'm sharper. I'm in better shape. Uh, I get more done. I make more money with an edge. Uh, so look at the root cause. What is causing stress? Because... Taking the edge off is not, you don't want to dull the blade. You're saying, I'm so stressed, there's something stressing me out. Um, you're not stressing over shit that can't be fixed. And you can fix stress by telling yourself the absolute truth and focusing on and attacking all that shit that's in the way. Because all the alcohol is doing when you quote unquote take the edge off is it's masking the root of the problem that's causing you to drink. Okay, so the root of my problem that was causing me to drink so fucking excessively was the um, the, the the home life. It was the, uh, the the life that being the entrepreneur and being the alcoholic had created this just terrible life at home because I was completely disengaged from my family, and the more disengaged I got, the more I drank to take that feeling away, and it's. It's something that, you know, once you can identify what the problem is, you can work on fixing the problem and stop fucking drinking to cover it up. So that is my advice to you guys. If you are struggling with what's drinking, with, with stopping drinking, find out why you're drinking. Think of it like that. Think of it, what is causing me to do this repeatedly over and over, every single night, I'm drinking a fifth of Jack, I'm trying to get to sleep, I'm doing stupid shit, I'm getting in fights, I'm yelling at people that I shouldn't yell at, I'm following women home that I shouldn't be following home, whatever it is you're doing, anchor your shit in those thoughts. And the last thing that I did, and the most important thing that I wanna share with you guys, is I didn't say I'm never drinking again. What I said was, I'm not drinking today. And that helped so immensely because I felt like it was my choice of whether I had a drink. It was my choice whether I had to get drunk or not. And it was my choice to have a drink when I had something to celebrate. And that gave me the power to say, you know what, the best version of Sam isn't gonna have a drink today, so therefore this version of Sam cannot have a drink today. And if the best version of you is not an alcoholic, 
and the best version of you doesn't yell or get in fights with your friends and the best version of you is faithful to your spouse then I highly suggest just going one day at a time and trying to be the best version of yourself possible day in day out before I wrap up guys if you need any help with quitting drinking shoot me a message in the DMs you know to find me at small business surgeon on Instagram Samuel Smith on Facebook and uh, I'll chat with you I'll get you hooked up we'll get you moving in the right direction and uh, we will all win we'll all get a little bit better get a little bit older and hopefully see the sun come up the next day alright that's it from me I'm done with Friday Fire uh, for today that's all I wanted to share um, sorry it was so somber and it was so uh, so direct I just I saw a lot of guys this week and a lot of guys all reached out and it just it really rings true they say how are you sober how have you done it i wish i could be like you well that's how i did it so if you all need any help just hit me up tune in on monday for the next episode of small business surgeon we've got my good buddy i love this guy uh, you'll love him too uh, patrick bolanos he is from uh, nicaragua he lives in houston and he is uh, he's, he's he's putting together the working for a dream baseball academy and he helps uh, kids he's got this charity he's just amazing guy so you'll tune in monday and uh, again you can find me on instagram small business surgeon find me on facebook and uh, just hit me up if you all need any help with drinking for real guys i will uh, see you all on monday stay safe this has been the small business surgeon podcast if you made it this far you clearly liked it so go on itunes and leave us a five-star review this helps people find the show and spread the good word share it with friends and follow us at small business surgeon on facebook and instagram Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. The Small Business Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in downtown Bryan, Texas. Check them out at txfoundry.com. Ooh, yeah.